Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louis. Um, that tiny, tiny little drink you have. This tiny glass? This tiny, look, tiny glass? It looks like you're ready for murder. <laughs> On the dance it, floor. <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't help that I'm giant. So this is actually normal size glass. This it's is a normal a, human glass. <laughs> I'm just a very large. You're a large human man. man. Yeah. Um, I. But it just looks so dainty. It looks so delicate. I love that you drink. I'm literally drinking like leftover wine out of a plastic cup, <laughs> a plastic cup that I bought off of Instagram because I am that millennial girl. You know what? Um, That's a good looking plastic cup though. That looks like a glass cup. That looks like a glass glass. It, and it's like a little it's got that little dusty rose color on it so you, <laughs> you know. can easily trick a toddler with that <laughs> famously i love children so they're just like always in my apartment um speaking of which i feel like my nephew and niece are gonna be in my apartment soon i have so much gay stuff in my apartment i'm very nervous like do i need to be taking down it's, it's cliche oh I'm my like, god i'm in that I... movie where like they're like covering like the gay stuff everywhere. The, uh, I mean, there is a lot of gay stuff in your apartment, and I don't mean to make this about me, but that that diagram I gave you that I hangs know, in your bathroom I know. about That's... the parts of a penis. Yeah, I, that, that'll probably have to be put away, but yeah. we'll see. Anyway, it's educational. It is. It's, yeah. <laughs> We're going to save some questions, you know, like that they will have that knowledge already baked in. Exactly. Um, anyway, welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini-genre. We take one month, we watch and read as much as we can, and we give all that information back to you. We fill our brains so we can fill your brains. It's like a baby bird situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we love, We. I feel like this is like getting into like gainer territory. We love filling you up. <laughs> oh, God. Audiences, our that dear listeners. That explains what you've been doing to me over these years. <laughs> No, no. Oh my the, god! This is actually pandemic a sec- that ruined me. Not. This, this is this is actually a secret kink podcast. Um, do you do you have a second beverage at the I ready? Have, I have three beverages. Thank you. Oh my god! Because I, I have, always have a jar of water next to me. Podcasting. Let this be known for you that out there that do not podcast. Podcast is a thirsty business. It's a so thirsty business. So I make sure I have this large like mm-hmm. I, I I look like uh what's his face the uh, the the that millionaire that used to pee in the jars the, oh god the, yeah um, yeah 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 um the aviator the aviator <laughs> just the aviator the aviator kate K- blanchett episode <laughs> go back to that episode for the aviator um yeah i, I know where to go with after the, the piss jar um but uh yes welcome back to the show it's been a little while this is our first episode of the year that is not our wrap-up. Last episode, right. we did our um, wrap-up of last year. Um, I feel like we're still in the shadow of last year. The Oscars feel like very late for some reason this year. I don't fucking know. They're like in a couple weeks, maybe. Whatever. Um, Let's just got- say the strike. You know, just, it's just a good cover-all. Babe, the strike. The strike. <laughs> Babe, watch out. The strike. Um, but uh, very excited for this episode. We don't have old business because there's no poll because we didn't ask you guys your favorite movie of last year um hopefully you guys you know watch some of the 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 movies that we um recommended there was so much good stuff a very queer year that we like we said um which we live laugh love absolutely Um, so gavin without further ado shall we get into today's this episode subject let's jump right in oh my god it's she a very first. It's a very <laughs> rare episode for us because, honey, is we're doing a straight white man. Um, <laughs> but when we brought it, we brought uh, like I, I I don't know who brought it up first, but we were like, 
this is a straight white man that we okay fine I don't, it was me yeah okay, i don't know who gavin, who could who could possibly have brought this subject up first gavin i don't like your fucking tone okay bitch <laughs> i may be basic but you are basic too because when i brought him up you were like oh yeah, absolutely i, I was Absol- like absolutely so. uh, today we are discussing the james marsden um just i i realized he is like the boy scout of of acting yes um just the ultimate boy scout silly billy boy who happens to be gorgeous um oh my god yeah like like, seriously it's unfair like yeah people shouldn't look like james marston looks right i didn't watch this movie but i i kind of wanted to but i spent on time um the best of me which is the nicholas sparks movie um and there I, i watched the trailer though and like there's his counterpart in the movie, the girl. She's like, "Did you just get hotter as you got older? <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't have been bald and fat like." And he's just like, "LOL, yeah, I'm hot." Like he, 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 he just is. He just is. Um, I seriously hope there's like a painting in his attic that's like aging for him or something. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. But also, I, I think, and this is maybe one of the reasons why we really wanted to do this is like he's such a little weirdo. And yeah. his career is so weird, and he, you know, for as tr- traditionally hot, all of that stuff, um, his career doesn't really reflect the that narrative, you know. And and I think it's like interesting. He's no Ryan Gosling. He hasn't no. had the Ryan Gosling's career. Um, he he does silly, dumb, dumb movies, and I would argue he's better in those. Um, and it's just it's. It's interesting. How can a man with um, A-list um, looks yes. um, not really have an A-list career? And I'm not denigrating him in his career, but it's just like weird. Well, he's listening. James, <laughs> come out. <laughs> All the James Marzenistas are going to come after me. Um, no, no, but I, 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 I know what you're saying because I, you know, midway through when we first started this and I started watching some of these movies, I was like, I kept getting, you know, Paul Rudd vibes where I was like, oh, like he is beautiful and he's in all these things. But like, is any of it good? Is he just charming? And then midway through it kind of switched for me. And I was like, oh, wait, like he is good and like maybe the difference between him and paul rudd sorry paul rudd and that that episode was a year ago so i don't mean to reference it but like he always shows up like he's always so no matter how bad the project and let me tell you some of these are really i subjected myself some really bad movies yeah um so he's just such an interesting case because i do think he is i i don't know if i've watched so many movies i didn't like for a subject and still thought the our subject was good yeah, the entire abso- time. Absolutely. Like, there are... I, I kept thinking about, you know, we mentioned way early in this project, you mentioned how Anne Hathaway needs a better agent. And I was mm-hmm. like, that is what's going on with James Marsden. Yes. The roles he's Does taking... Does he have an agent? That's what I, I kept know. thinking. I don't know. Like, is, it's, is he just, like, saying yes to emails? <laughs> does he it, get, like... Does he pick up every spam phone call? Like, what is... <laughs> yeah, because it's it's kind of bizarre. Like, there are so many movies that are just, like... I will say a lot of them are big swings. A lot of yeah. them, like, want to be smart. A lot of them want to be important. And it's, it's almost like he is living the cliche mirror universe of, like, what Hollywood should be, you know? 
Um, but every time he like pierces the veil and like is just. I mean, I think, and that's kind of why, you know, people really like him now, like, with the jury duty of it all. Like, right. he, and he's, he says this all the time. He's like, I've never been self-serious. I've never, like, take myself too seriously. And you can tell when he's, like, being silly. I think a lot of people know him from 30 Rock, where he's just, like, giving just Golden Retriever himbo energy. Oh, my And it's God. like, and it, he is the perfect vehicle for that. Um, because he has done the rom-coms. He's done, like the very hot, muscly stuff of it all. Um, he's done uh, the dramas. He's... Uh, he The musicals, like, it's wild. This man has done it all. Um, but... And, and But I think you said it best, you know? For all those shitty, bad movies we watch, still like him a lot. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and w- w- like, it's, it's so strange. And, you know, we talk a lot about character actors and also like an actor versus a movie star and Mm -hmm. i think sort of he i i feel like his looks have maybe hindered him because i think if he had his druthers he would have like a stanley tucci career and i think it took us a long time and by us i just mean like collective uh, to realize Stanley Tucci was hot, yeah. and James Marston has never had that issue, right? Like, of co- yeah, of course. He he's like that that girl that shows up in the room and every everybody's head turns and like, who's that? Like, what? yeah, who's yeah. That? So yeah, so I think it's like harder for him to to do. And at the same time, you know, it's not like because we we talked about it in our Chris Pine episode too of like this sort of character actor in a leading man sort of look, but the difference is is. James Marston never seems to take the role where he has to like dirty himself up. Like he's not doing the crazy things that Chris Pine is doing, like shaving his head and wearing a scar over his eye. Like he just always is. looks like James yeah. Marston. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's like such a weird dichotomy of of like he just is leading man handsome and that you can't do anything about it. He can't escape it. I mean, and like he let's just be clear very attractive but i will say he did not go down like the hugh jackman route he did not like right. get insanely buff for right. every role he talks about like yeah okay so like i had to be naked in death the funeral or whatever the fuck and so i got really ripped for that because i wanted to like look good right but like he also he's he's perhaps one of the most accessible leading men because he for as handsome as he is um He's got that, like, uh, young man face, you know, very baby face, um, very just, like, kind of chill. Um, He gives me a rare Pokemon straight, friendly (laughs) ally energy. Um, All that being said, I'm very excited because we're going to go with some crazy places this episode, Gavin. I can already already feel it. Even (laughs) uh, I was was saying this off mic earlier to Gavin, how I I am now actually using my letterbox. Um, Cheers. Thank you. Oh my! It's been years in the making, um, and I found myself writing some very like crazy things. I was like, "Wait, is sex drive actually subversive?" Which I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, so, all that being said, Gavin, why don't we get into our rewind? James Paul Marston, born September 18th, 1973, making him a cool even 50 years old. He is I'm just, 
fifty. <laughs> yeah, he likes to kick, um, <laughs> and he likes to play the other guy in movies, <laughs> and he likes to kick. Um, he was born in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He is the son of Kathleen and James Luther Marston. Uh, James Luther Marston was a food safety advisor at to Lexagene Industries. I don't really know what Lexagene Industries is. It sounds like a made-up evil corporation in a movie. Absolute Resident Evil, here we yeah. come. <laughs> and his mother was a nutritionist. Um, and they split when he was nine. He has four siblings, uh, two younger sisters and two brothers. He eventually attended Oklahoma State University. Uh, back when he was like prior to that, he was doing a uh, Good Morning Oklahoma TV show. Incredible. Um, he was like a kid anchor and he thought for a while like, oh, this is maybe this is a good career path for me. Like maybe I should be a TV news anchor. I was a student news anchor on that show for a full year. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, we would deliver two minutes of educational news at the end of the hour. And then one time I was able to get my, my, if you can call it my band, uh, uh, on the show to perform a four-part harmony thing. Yeah. It was something that I studied for a few semesters at Oklahoma <laughs> State University. I was uh, studying journalism broadcasting uh, with the idea of maybe being a, a news anchor. When he goes to Oklahoma State University, he goes for broadcast journalism. Uh, and he then decides to leave after about a year and a half. Uh, because he's like, wait a second, broadcast journalism, like, I don't want to do that. Like, and he, he actually says he considered it like, maybe that'll be a backup plan, but I want to be an actor. And so he like moves to LA, just up yeah. and moves. I saw that like he had a family friend or like an uncle in LA who um, basically was like, I will pay for your headshots and, you know, you can stay with me and we can like give this a try, um, which, you know, is amazing right like it's it's we've 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 done a lot of episodes about people who go to la just like raw dogging it right like yeah. and you either it either happens or it doesn't like you run out of money you 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 ask favors to like where can i stay where can i crap whatever um and his family just must have been like you know you have something we're gonna go out on a limb for you here and that's i, I just love that you know because truly even though we think like there is a lot that you have to do for yourself. Like no one does this on their own. Like this is no. such a, like it's such a hard thing to do at all. And like someone believed in him. Someone said, yeah, we're going to get you headshots. We're going to start sending you out. Um, and he quickly gets booked because guess what? He did fucking have it. So a lot of people ask if you were, you know, if I was scared, it was a scary move to just uproot yourself from, from Oklahoma and move to California without really knowing anybody. And I say, no, it was the opposite. It was, it was, thrilling. It was exciting because it w I was doing what I wanted to be doing. I wasn't uh, mature enough or old enough to know how badly I could fail. Going back to Oklahoma and finishing school just wasn't an option in my mind. I'm very grateful that the business and the fans have allowed me to play around a little bit, not just do one thing. I had an idea of what I wanted to do and this, this being it, but it just, there was a pragmatic side of my brain that was saying, you know, this is not realistic. Um, so I guess I just, I felt like this has to happen. I have to make this happen somehow. Um, so I think a good mix of luck and a good mix of sort of being at the right place at the right time and, and, and that desire to, to feel like this is really um, where, you could, where you could fit in and where, where, you know, where your talents lie. 
and he gets booked on everything you know starting at the i mean he's like 19 years old he is in the pilot of the nanny as Mm -hmm. uh the the older daughter's uh boyfriend he also does guest stints on say by the bella new class and party of five and he does an abc tv show called second noah which was about a a group of uh, adopted children who are adopted by a family who also has a lot of animals. Get it? Second Noah. Oh, yeah. Very, like, very subtle. Very subtle. Yeah. Like the Ark. Um, <laughs> the show doesn't last. I mean, I I know many of you out there have heard of it, so I'm sure. Right. The very huge familiar, very popular se- Second yeah. Noah. Just because that doesn't work out doesn't mean that, you know, like his career stalls in any way shape or form he's still going out on auditions he auditions for edward norton's role in primal fear he auditions for ryan felipe's role in 54 imagine if he was in 54 oh my I know, god i know oh my god he probably i mean like ryan was a little more dangerous i would right. say a little more edgy yeah um, because to like to be clear like the scenes of him if you're like re-watching the nanny or like clips of him on saved by the bell he is literally just a little slice of americana he mm-hmm. is the boy scout from oklahoma who i was just gonna like, say he's so oklahoma like he's yeah. just perfect little hair like yep. you know uh goody boy is, is the vibe <laughs> uh but off of off of second noah he does get cast in a film called disturbing behavior which is like a huge early breakout for him um there there's a couple stuff that he does you know a couple things he does before then he does uh some tv movies he is a working actor you yeah know, he does blossom touched by an angel uh some show called boogie's diner um he's in he, everything he's like he, just, just like it's a like casting call of like we need like the hot like straight every man and like boom there he is Absolutely. But Disturbing Behavior becomes this sort of big break for him. Um, Disturbing Behavior, if you have not seen it, uh, is a kind of riff on the Stepford Wives. It's um, young. He He's a teen whose family moves into town after his older brother has committed suicide. And the turns out that the town doctor is brainwashing kids and make to make them into like perfect teens. But every now and then they short circuit and they kill Um and Katie Holmes is there. Katie Holmes, she's there. She's certainly there. <laughs> um, and Nick Stahl is there acting. Yes, yes. Bruce Greenwood is there acting. acting Katie uh, Holmes is there participating. Uh-huh. Um, she <laughs> the, said, I'm on Dawson's Creek. I would like a movie, please. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have a really, I want to get this out of the way. Uh, Deserve Behavior, not a good movie. No. Not, no. Um, I have a really special soft spot for it. Um, this is like one of the few, um, one of the few like Gavin's origin stories that I don't talk about that much. Uh, my first couple paychecks when I first got a job when I was 14 was to pay. I mean, I was a paper boy for two years before then, but, um, but I, I used my first two paychecks to buy a DVD player and I was like, I'm going to buy all these DVDs. I really want to, and I remember buying disturbing behavior 
and there's a director's commentary on it. And the director, um, David Nutter, Drama. starts yeah, starts the commentary. First of all, if you remove a director from a film studio, don't let them do a commentary. That's cool. I, I can't <laughs> believe that you said that he has the commentary. Because yes. famously, big battle over this movie. Yeah, and so he basically starts the commentary with, Welcome to my butchered film, the film Woo! they took away from me. Um, he's like, the studio decided that teens didn't want to see adults talk so they took the plot out of the film and he's like there's deleted scenes on this dvd if you want to see the plot of the movie but this film does not represent my vision Jesus. and and so i did watch the deleted scenes and listen i i i think it was the first time my brain i'm an editor by trade for those of you listening for the first time i think it's the first time my tr- time that my brain realized like oh like movies can absolutely be ruined in edit and like i i know that's such a simple thought process but i think people don't think about the construction of films when they're yeah. watching them and and you can when you watch deserving behavior you can tell that it's been butchered yeah. like that, I mean, that there's lots missing the ending also is like such a donkey tail tacked on yes for no reason you can tell i mean like there is a smart movie in here but what they have presented to us is not it Right. And so, I, you know, what they teach you as editors, I think, like, very early on is they kind of teach you, like, you know, a movie can certainly be made in edit, and a movie can certainly be found in edit, um, but those aren't always the case. And those, you know, those are kind of rare, but a movie can almost always be ruined in the edit process. And um, and I, I really credit this movie with being why I'm interested in editing, why I got into wow. editing. And so I, I I think about Disturbed Behavior probably a lot more than most other people. But once again, do not think it's a good movie. I just have a soft spot for it. I will say, after watching it, I kept thinking about, like, when was this? It was, it was 1998, very late 90s, right before 9-11. Yeah. And I, and I kept thinking, like, this movie probably wouldn't have been made after 9-11 because no. it is... I'm shocked that it was made post-Columbine. Yeah, because, I mean, the the whole vibe is that kids are bad and we need to protect them and make sure they are on the course. And there's the whole, like, you see, basically, they, like, put these little fucking... They open their eyes and, like, show them a bunch of shit, right? To right, but also, but also, like, put in, like, a... Like, I've oh, always... I've, yeah, I've tried to figure this out. Like yeah, there's how something it works, but but the imagery that they show them is very like Christian nationalist shit. Yeah, like it's it's very patriotic. It's very and I just kept thinking like in five years, like this is the whole American vibe, you know. And this movie is critiquing about like freedom of speech, freedom of expression, you know, dissent. And I was like, so even though it's not a good movie, like there is this nugget of like you know fight the power like anarchy um and uh so like it it is a very interesting time capsule of precise pre-9-11 vibes right yes and and i will say you know he gets one i mean he gets a couple good scenes but to like prove himself but i think the best scene and he he's great in it is when he tells katie holmes about his brother's suicide i had a brother His name was Alan. He's a couple years older than me. If he would have made it through his teens, he would have been something amazing. But he was... He was always in pain. 
been eight months to the day he shot himself. Dad said we were moving to Cradle Bay. <laughs> Where everything was gonna be all right. He's not perfect, but he is like acting in yeah. in in a way that like I was like, oh, he's he's good. Like, yeah. So it's an interesting yeah. curio if you're if you if you got time. He has two movies come out in the year two thousand: Gossip and X Men. I I had never heard of Gossip in my life. <laughs> I watched it and I was like, <laughs> again, like again, the time of pre nine eleven of like the internet's so crazy and like. I, the way people, people don't understand how news works. It's, 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 it's like people sometimes think like an event happened. that's like, yeah, you didn't hear news. It's like, that's not news. Doesn't this like come out of from the ephemera? Like, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. But like, I, it's, it's so go- funny. Um, I'm glad you started with gossip because I feel like we probably have more to talk about next month. But gossip is so like, what is the tone of gossip? No, no, gossip is like, I, I'm sure. First of all, crazy cast. They had yeah. all the hot teen girlies ready to yeah. go. Kate but, Hudson, but like, <laughs> Kate Hudson, yes. But then the the other ones are like not who I feel like are not who you would think of because Lena it's like, Hedy. yeah, Lena Hetty, Norman Reedus. Yeah, it's crazy. Like and and then Joshua Jackson. Of course, I mean, yeah, give it yeah. up for Pacey. Yeah, pay, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very kind of like. Yeah, we're actually a smart movie. Gotcha, gal. I will say, you know, the twist is very obvious. Like, I was like, you're not fooling anyone, honey. Yeah, except but... the the twist is obvious. The execution of the twist is wild. Is like, yeah. you like ever suddenly, con- suddenly we're in David Fincher's The Game. Like, yeah. You ever convince your professor to, like, pull a whole fucking stunt on someone about murdering someone for yeah. funsies? Because, like, what do you think about news and media and gossip? Not to get too deep and trigger warning sexual assault, like the crux of this movie is rape. Yep. And it seems that like the film's kind of firmly on the side of like there's a lot of fake rapes out there. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what? Like, what? Like, cause it, it, I, I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's such a wild. It's such a wild take because it's it's literally like it's one of those movies that's like all it takes is one false accusation and you can just ruin someone's life. No, but like the whole crux is like because he says something to the effect in this like classroom like we're, it's just words. Words can't hurt anybody. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> like at the end, it's like actually words do matter. Like, oh, wow. We learned a lot. Like. <laughs> Okay, we we need to move on from gossip. We do need to move away from <laughs> gossip. But shout out to our friend Kevin because he like literally figured it out just by our letterboxes and was like, "Could you please do a full half an hour on gossip?" On uh, <laughs> uh, so like I, honestly, we could, we, we really could, could. Uh, uh, sign up for that Patreon <laughs> full episode about gossip. <laughs> we do have to thank gossip though for X Men because. Yes. James Morrison says the, like, designer, costume designer is the one who is like, oh, I'm working on this, like, X-Men thing. And he's like, what's that? Because obviously James Morrison's too hot to know about nerdy <laughs> shit like comic books. And- uh, we, which which I call, 
I call shade on because he's a huge video game guy. And he's admitted this in like several interviews. Like he said on the set of X-Men, like in between takes, like when he wasn't needed. I remember playing uh, uh, Goldeneye on Nintendo 64 mm. with Kevin Feige, who now owns the Marvel oh, Universe. Yeah. Like we would, on the first X-Men movie, we'd sneak away for hours and hours and play that game. Incredible. Like, Incredible. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like... Are you a liar, Dina? Yeah, are you... You you know about X-Men. You know, like... He, I've, I saw an interview where he was like, I called up my buddies in Oklahoma who told me what comic books to read um, and that he was nervous going in for the audition because Cyclops in the comics is like 6'5 and like jacked. And he was like, I was not any of those things. Um, but... And, and oh my God, the absolute jump scare. He says that Jim Caviezel was originally cast yes. as Cyclops. Mm-hmm. That could have been a ve- it could have been a very different movie. Uh, Jim Caviezel, uh, Doug Gray Scott, or Doug Gray Scott as Wolverine, like absolutely not. Yeah, and it, honestly, they were smart casting so young for Cyclops, even though in the comics he's probably older because he's one of the original X Men. Yeah, but but because he's so young, like he could easily pick it up now if he wanted yeah, to. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying anything, Marvel. I'm just saying like you'd be a fucking fool if you didn't cast him as Cyclops again. But what do you what do you think of the casting of him as Cyclops? We've talked about X-Men I, in Halle Berry's episode. Yes. This is our, this is our second time around with X-Men. I kind of think that James Marston's like perfect yeah. Cyclops. Because like you said before, he's sort of Hollywood Boy Scout. And that's literally what Cyclops' role in the X-Men is. You know, he's a leader. He's a decision maker. He's kind of a wet blanket. Like, he's he's not exactly the most fun out of the group. Um, but he has, like, a really soft core. Mm-hmm. Like, a really, like, he, like, loves Jean Grey. He's, like, really committed to the cause. And I think... Uh, James Marsden's able to portray all that. And also, he has a really difficult job of having to do all of that without having access to his eyes. Yeah. Which, which, like, James Marsden has a stunning baby blues. They are, you know, gorgeous to look at. And he has to do all of this sort of emoting um, a lot through, like, eyebrow work, through, like, pouty mouth. And, like... Yeah, I, I will say, like, he... I mean, his cheekbones are just so fucking incredible. Oh, like, my God. Cut it, glass. Cut diamond. Yeah, yeah. And so the visual is immaculate. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone would argue that he is not Scott Summers. Like, it is just perfect. Um, I will say, you know, like, you know... Everyone has different opinions about the X-Men movies, and, like, they certainly... Like, X2 was amazing, X3 is horrendous, um, <laughs> but Agreed. he does But he does have, like, that really amazing scene. It's like, how do we know it's you? And, like, yeah. Wolverine gives him the finger. Like, he's like, okay, yeah, that's it. Like, he's, he, yeah, he's like, you're a dick. And he's like... Yeah. And, he's, and, yeah, I think that chemistry comes through with... And it... Listen, we, we mentioned in our Holly Berry episode... Those X-Men movies are really Wolverine and the X-Men. You know, if you're not Wolverine, you're Rogue. And if you're not Rogue, you're everybody else. Yeah. And and he said that. He said, like, this was the Hugh Jackman show and we were just right. along for the ride. And uh, I mean, even I, I feel like we should just so just so we don't really have to come back to X-Men later sure. on. Uh, you know, I feel like we should lump X2 in here, which is 2003. Um, you know, I, I think nothing could be more clear about that than the fact that, like, them not knowing what to do with Cyclops, they just make him a mindless villain for most of yeah. X2. 
which is really unfortunate. But it does give us that really great moment with him and Jean after he like comes to and he like cradles her and she's like, something's wrong. Um, the uh, That's my Fompke Janssen, by the way. I'm so sorry I could see you, but I couldn't stop myself. I tried. I'm sorry. Controversially, I think you could recast Wolverine at this point. I think I think enough time has passed. I feel like he, because he's not been given his shot, because he's not been given his, you know, bright day in the sun when it comes to Cyclops, I think it'd be a shame to cast somebody else's Cyclops. Yeah. And in X3, I will say he has like very little to do, but like there's that great scene yeah. where he like shoots, like in anguish, shoots the lake, and then Gene comes and you actually get to see his eyes. Yes. It is a great moment. It's a great moment and he's yeah. doing and, well. And you that. know the re- you know the reason for that was that he left with Brian Singer to go do Superman, Superman Returns, which is so funny because he's also given so little to do in Superman Returns. 2001, he does a cameo in Zoolander as John Wilkes Booth. It's hilarious. But he also does Sugar and Spice. Uh, Sugar and Spice was a script that had been floating around Hollywood. In fact, I believe it was Gabrielle Union who said Sugar and Spice, like, Bring It On was the script you got if you didn't get cast in the movie you wanted, which was Sugar and Spice. Oh, Um, wow. Sugar and Spice was also like, it was called Sugar and Spice and Semi-Automatics. It gets like so whittled down. And I don't know if you've, if you clocked the runtime of Sugar and Spice, by the way, it's literally like 72 minutes with eight minutes worth of credits to get it to 80 minutes. It's so short. Like everything has been gutted from that movie yeah um he plays an all-american football star who knocks up one of the cheerleaders the way he grabs that child and says i'm a little professor (laughs) that is a core memory that will always stay with me (laughs) love it love that movie even for being like cutted and gutted like camp camp yeah not my favorite, uh, but he's very good. Like he's, he's very big, big dumb idiot in that. Yeah, he's which go- which is informative of what's to come because he is so good in that space. Hey, Di, if we have a girl, we should dress her like little Debbie. Jack, honey, I'm only eating for two. No, I know, I know, but all this food reminds me of how much I want to teach our baby. Cocoa Puffs, good. Captain Crunch, it's bad. See, it, it shreds the roof of your mouth. Now you're not born with that knowledge. You know, I mean, you hear tricks are for kids, and you think, okay, I'm a kid, so I guess they're for me. But, you know, your little baby brain's got no idea that Lucky Charms are, like, a million times better for you. Jack? Hey, pop quiz. If you could be Count Chocula or Trix the Rabbit, who would you be? Uh, Trix. Me too! God, will it never end? I love this lady! I do want to talk about 2002's Interstate 60 episodes of The Road, because I did see that you saw it on Letterboxd. Interstate 60 is... um, uh, the directorial debut of Bob Gale, producer and co-writer of Back to the Future and all of its subsequent sequels. Um, and it, it's the only movie he's ever directed. It's clearly a passion passion project. He wrote it. He basically called in every favor he possibly could, which is why you get Christopher Lloyd in the movie and Michael J. Fox in the movie. But it's essentially about Gary Oldman as a magical leprechaun type character who grants wishes to people. And James Marston, who's like uh, a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing with his life. And he just sort of 
what is this wish exactly? It's like I wish for like a new <laughs> life or a better, like a more adventurous life, and yeah, for adventure or something. Yeah, and it and it's essentially from there. It's sort of like an anthology film. It's like him driving the road and running into people. Like he runs into Power Rangers Amy Joe Johnson, which I gasped when I saw her. I was like, <gasps> Pink Ranger, yeah, um, yeah, the, uh, and she's like, I want to fuck, and yeah. It's, a completely sexist scene and just Horrible. really awful. Um, I don't know. Like I, it's he's a bad, like he's, it's he's also really chasing Amy Smart. Is that's yes? That's his, and, yeah, and he thinks that she is like the one because he keeps getting signs. So I, I, I don't know enough about this filmmaker. Um, but it was just so clear. Like he was grafting himself. Like this was his movie about himself. This is a movie about a guy who is an artist because the whole thing is that he wants to be a painter, but he's disappointing the family. And it is just about this guy who is boring and, you know, wants to be an artist, but is afraid of like making his dad sad. And I was like, okay, like you could have spent the like $15 million you made this movie like for anything else because it's the payoff is just nothing. Right. The whole, the whole, it's, it's, this movie thinks it's smart. It's, deeply embarrassing it's deeply boring it is just a nothing burger and like oh god and and yeah like you said sexist and it's is there a single black person in that movie is there a single person of color besides i can't name one i can't think of one huh it's it's and i'm not saying there has to be a quota system but like he's literally driving across the united states it's just like again this man who was successful at this other thing was like, I have a story to tell and it's my story. And it's such a limited, yeah. like blind, like blinders on, like his world is so small. It's so clear that his world is so small. Um, and, but he thinks everyone like will be so interested in it. And it's like, my God, the, the hubris of straight white men un- <laughs> uncanny. Um, Mars Jin found not guilty, but like, yes, God. Exactly. He's he's very charming when he's on screen, but it's not worth it. I'm not doing it, period. So you just, you're not man enough? You meet a real woman and you turn into a wuss? Afraid you won't measure up, huh? Well, you'll never know, will you? Because if I don't do it, I won't be number 2,000 and whatever. I'll be number one. That one guy, the guy you'll remember for the rest of your life. You'll stay up at night thinking about me, wondering, was he the one? The answer is yes. I am the perfect fuck. The one you never had. 2003, aforementioned X2. Uh, 2004, we get The 24th Day, which is a Canadian film. I didn't have a chance to watch this. Oh my god, Gavin! Really? Okay. I I wish you... uh, Because there is some discourse here, babe, is what I'm saying. Oh no! I mean, it's got Scott Speedman in it. Felicity's own. I know. I didn't realize it was Canadian, but that's interesting. Um, You didn't know that it was Canadian with Scott Speedman? That's Captain tr- Canada himself. That's true. He should play Guardian. Um, oh my god! If they made an Alpha Flight movie, I would literally piss my pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do have to say, Twenty Fourth Day is available for free on one of the random obscure streaming sites. If you just type in the Twenty Fourth Day on your Roku TV, it'll come up. I need people to watch this because I don't know if this movie is good or not. I, I, it's confounding. It is based on a play. The movie was made by the the playwright, so he's like, I'm going to write the movie, I'm going to direct the movie. Um, it is about two men. Opens with 
James Marsden and his best girlfriend, Sofia Vergara, at a bar. I know. I know. Yeah, Sofia Vergara. And Scott Spiesman walks in and basically picks up James Marsden. They go back to Scott's place. They're flirty. They're like, they're gay. They're gay. Um, and if I knew it was gay, I would have prioritized it. You know this. I know. Uh, <laughs> but it quickly, something isn't right because um, Scott Speedman keeps asking him questions of like, how many, how many times have you had sex with men? Do you always use protection? James Marsden realizes I've been in this apartment before. And basically Scott Speedman beats him up and ties him to a chair and is like, I've only had sex with one person and it was you and I have HIV. So what the fuck's up? Oh my God. And I, I, I need to discourse about this movie because so, so this was made in 2004. I'm assuming the play was written in the nineties cause it's yeah. very heavy nineties vibes um, there is a lot of progressive stuff in this movie, but there's also a lot of not progressive things in this movie. There's a lot of stuff about HIV and AIDS in here. There's a lot of shame about, you know, being sexually active. Bottom line, I think it's a very interesting movie. I think it's like brings up a lot of discourse around sex and shame and, you know, obviously HIV. Um, but I was like, God, watching this now, I watched it today. As I'm watching this now, it's very interesting. I don't yeah. again, there are some like regressive things, but also like there's a part where Scott Speedsman's like, I'm not gay. Just because you have sex with a man one time doesn't make you gay. And James Marsden's right is like, you're right. He's like, labels are stupid. He's like, you know, I don't if you're not gay, you're not gay. What guys should be able to have sex with men and like it's not gay. And I was like, that's a very progressive thing to be saying. Especially for 20 years ago, yeah. Interesting movie, but also just like not the movie of 2004. Like the movie of 2004 for James Marsden. Yeah. Is the notebook. It's the notebook. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny, you know, we talked extensively about the notebook in our Ryan Gosling episode. Um, we'll probably, if we ever get around to doing a Rich McAdams episode, we'll probably talk extensively about that. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about the notebook when it comes to James Marsden is, is he's playing the other guy and yeah. the other guy doesn't really suck that much yeah like he could be worse yeah like he's not like abusing her he's not nope. like an asshole he and in the end he's kind of like if you really love this guy and you don't love me like yeah bye like yeah and he it's i mean it's the cyclops of it all he's always yes. the other guy he's, he's just the other like, guy he's um and you know, I like his performance a lot in The Notebook. I don't love the movie. Um, I do want to say uh, James Marston says he gets more men that come up to him and tell him, you know, hey, you're my favorite movie. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, X-Men. And they're like, no, The Notebook. And That's so, wild! You'd be surprised how many like men come up to me and go, hey, you were my favorite movie of all time. I think, oh, they're going to say X-Men or something like that. They're like, Notebook. And I'm like, <laughs> Ah. <laughs> to this day, people come up to me, and and sometimes mm -hmm. just very macho men, you know, like, um, like oh mate, you're in my favorite movie I've ever seen. Before. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, X Men. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Notebook, mate. Notebook, mate. <laughs> uh, I love it. Cry, cry my eyes out every time. <laughs> it's also what got him cast in Hairspray. So he was like meeting. He like was with Adam Shankman, um, and the producers at an empty restaurant 
and like during this meeting and a person walked over to him and tapped him on the shoulder and they all looked and it was fucking julia roberts incredible and julia roberts just goes um i don't mean to interrupt but you're in my favorite movie the notebook (laughs) (laughs) there is something about like the reason why james marsden is james marsden is that he was blowing up in all these millennial touchstone films X-Men, The Notebook, 27 Dresses. These are all just like very classic movies for our generation. Yeah. Whether they're good or bad, they were just the things that like we remember. We know The Notebook is just like aggressively romantic. It like built the stage for all of us into believing what like true love should look like and feel like. Um, And even though he's not like the main guy, uh, you know, yeah, it does say a lot that like he could be this other guy and not. Like, we don't hate this guy. We, no. We, you know. I need to get away. Okay. I need to take care of a few things. I need to clear my head. Okay, should I be worried? No, I don't think so. Oh, that's, that's reassuring. <laughs> Listen, are you all right? Yeah. Okay, then go. Take your time, do whatever you need to do. Look, it's okay to be nervous. It's normal to get cold feet before your wedding. No. No second thoughts, huh? 2006, uh, we get four movies. We get The uh, Lies and Alibis, which is also known as The Alibi. Uh, Superman Returns, Tenth and Wolf, and X-Men The Last Stand. We already kind of touched on X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, Superman Returns, I just do what I meant. Like, he's he's Richard White. He's Perry White's... uh, Is he his son or his nephew? It's been a bit since I've watched Superman Returns. I can't remember. Yeah. But he's currently with... Um, with, with, with Lois Lane. yeah and um and it's once again the situation where he's the other guy yeah he's a, S- superman comes back and he's being all kind of emo and a little stalkery yep. and richard white, white is kind of like well i guess you're in love with the invincible space alien yeah okay. um, but uh i i like his performance in that movie it's it kind of works uh because He's believable as the guy that Lois Lane would fall in love with if she didn't have Superman. But that's the thing, though. Like, he plays the generic, like, everyone. There was right. no, like, edge to him. And not that I'm saying, like, Brennan Ruth has, like, edge. But, like, no, but... it's Superman. Like, that's yeah. the edge. Like the... And Exactly. So, and, you know, he's not, like, the beardy, scraggly scamp that Ryan Gosling is in The Notebook. He's, like, the every guy that, like, you should love. Yeah. He's and... put together. Yeah. Um, Lies and Alibis uh, is a movie about uh, people that create alibis for you if you're having an affair starring Steve Coogan and Rebecca Romaine. Um, I don't know if you saw Lies and Alibis. No. Uh, Tenth and Wolf is a mob movie. He plays a guy who gets back from the Gulf War um, and is uh, gets drawn back into his mob family by his brother Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, but also, uh-oh, he's secretly an FBI informant. And he's gonna... I, I, I was like, James Marsden playing, like, an Italian mobster. Okay, LOL. And, and oh, Okay, we also, just to get to the Italian of it all, there's a scene, literally, where they're having dinner, and there is a clown opera singer doing Pagliacci. Yeah. And I was like... I get it. They're Italian. Like they're you very Italian. You could have had them eating pasta or something. Like yeah. this is a bit much. It's very um, much the vibe is supposed to be like these are the real Italians and these are the Italian Americans who don't yes. appreciate clown singing at dinner. <laughs> Not a good movie. I will say Piper Parabo 
very good in this movie. Yeah, and she's a little underrated. Uh, she I is. will say she yeah. is. I, well, she, if, if if we're saying nice things about actors that we think are underrated, Liza and Alibis, I think Rebecca Romaine has always been a good actor, and we've treated her poorly because she's beautiful. Say that. Say that. These beautiful women deserve more. Piper and Rebecca, we salute you. We see you. Absolutely. Um, the next year, 2007, is a banger when it comes to musicals. This, this feels like his pinnacle imperial yes. phase. Like, all the checks and things that are coming in from X-Men are paying off that exactly. he can do other things. Um, so he does Prince Edward in Enchanted, and he does Corny Collins in Hairspray. Um, Gorgeous. Both singing, dancing roles. Um, Gorgeous. Prince Edward gets to be a little more swashbuckly. Corny Collins gets to be a little more self-righteous, and, and in all the best ways. Um, and yeah, these are, you know, they're very character roles. Yeah. Like, they, they're not leads. Well, I mean, Prince Edward, once again, is the other guy. Yes. Um, and, but it's funny because like in any other version of this fairy tale, he wouldn't be the other guy. That's right. the joke. Right. Um, Enchanted for those who don't know is a, a movie about, um, a princess Giselle who gets sent into the real world and she gets to experience New York and Prince Edward goes after her to try and save her. But it's too late because she's already fallen in love with McDreamy. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And Hairspray, we've talked extensively about between our... John Waters episode, our Queen Latifah episode. Uh, I feel like there's another one in there that we also maybe hit on, maybe not. But his performance of Corny Collins is perfection. so sharp. Yeah, yep. perfection. So sharp, so precise. Uh, there's that great, like, tete-a-tete he has with Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. where he's just basically like, fuck off, you racist witch. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. We talked about it a oh, little hey, bit hey, in our hey. Michelle Pfeiffer episode. Um, yeah. I I really like both these performances. They're heightened, but they're heightened in both the right ways. Yeah, he's deployed perfectly because we're using his um, golden retriever himbo vibes. Yes. But turning it on its head because both characters have more and he's just going full tilt on a, both of them. I think it's also interesting with Hairspray because... I think Zac Efron is a very interesting analog to him because Zac Efron has had kind of a similar career path in that he has a very weird filmography, like, you know, has been desperately trying to find, like, the dramatic thing that will, like, make him be serious. And I feel like, you know, uh, James has kind of had some of that with these, like, gossip and, like, Interstate 60, like, trying to find the thing, but, like, is actually just... A lot better when he's just being a silly billy, funny yeah. guy. Which I think Zach Efron is in the same lane. Like I mean, when he's just being a dumbass, like it works. <laughs> a dumbass or like is showing us why he's like has star power, and that's because he's a singing dance man. Like he he's a showman. I I do yeah, he's truly a showman. I wish he could have capitalized on that more. And I know yeah. like as an actor, you you know, the goal is to be well rounded. Like you don't really want to get pigeonholed into anything. But, you know, I I wish there was a slightly more of that in his career. And I, there was a song between him and Adina Menzel that was cut from uh, Enchanted. And I wonder if, like, maybe that, because he, he doesn't really get to show off those chops until the second one, which I just watched today. We'll get to it. Um, but uh, but it, I I do, like, those, those feel like, like yeah. you said, it's like the pinnacle and, and they should have launched and, like, it just it just doesn't. I mean, it, it, it kind of falls off. 
Yeah, the the next year, 2008, you get 27 Dresses and Sex Drive, both comedies. Um, uh, Sex Drive, much raunchier comedy, teen sex comedy. Um, and 27 Dresses, romantic comedy with Katherine Heigl. Um, I don't have a ton to say about either of these other than like his... Um, if you've seen Jury Duty, Sex Drive gets brought up a lot. Um, and he just plays kind of a homophobic brother. And, I, you know, the end, the, like, twist, uh, spoiler alert, at the end is that, like... He's actually he's hom- gay. Yeah, he's gay. And, like, it. it listen, I just want to... I just want to say, like, it's such a trope that the homophobe turns out to be gay. As a queer person, we don't want him. You can... You can... <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, like... I will we say so... So 27 Dresses feels like the tail end of, like, the Pinnacle era. Because people fucking Mm -hmm. love that movie. It's very, you know, he says that that's one of the movies that, like, he gets constantly, like, people remember him for. It's a very nothing role, kind of. He's just, just, like, rom-com lead with no personality. I do think Catherine Heigl's very good. I think, obviously, James Barr is and it's charming. Um, We've got a lot of girlies who are surrounding them who are also very good. I... Yeah, uh oh, um uh Malin yeah. Ackerman who's going to yes. be hosting Eurovision this year. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I am not. Speaking of beautiful women who deserve more. Yes, I Malin love Malin Ackerman. Ackerman. She's so good. All I have to say, this is kind of like the tail end of his imperial phase. Um what's the other movie that year? Oh, Sex Drive. Sex Drive, yeah. Which I also was just like I these movies where it's like virgin tries to get laid. That's the genre of movie that was popular at the time. It's, but it wasn't. That's the thing. Like this is the tail end of that. Right. Like, American ta- Pie hadn't been popular for a while. When right. This movie right. Came out. But it's the movie. I had forgotten a lot about this movie. The best friend, who is the guy who's kind of like a scumbag. Like I was like, oh, he's kind of like a schlubby nerd guy, but like the whole film is about how he gets laid all the time right and i I was like this is subverting this genre in a way even though it is completely homophobic yes and there's a lot of like there's a lot of gay panic in a lot of these movies i was a little shocked at how easily the the like f slur was thrown around in sugar and spice and whatnot and like i I, I don't know what has happened to me. I don't know if, like, the, the serpent has come back around <laughs> where I'm like, actually, sex drive. But I, I, you know what? Listen, for all I'm denigrating it, I like sex drive a lot more than I'm letting on. I've, I've seen sex drive more than I think I should admit. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I do think it is a funny movie and there's stuff I really like in it. And also, I think at the time... The idea of James Marston being gay was like really hot to me. So like <laughs> 100%. Also it's worth mentioning he goes for broke in this. Yes. He is crazy yeah. town. The way he beats up that garage door is fucking nuts. Um I yeah, it is unfortunately a lot of fun. And guess what? Fall Out Boy has a cameo. So yeah. like they there's got me gal. There's I was going to say the soundtrack is definitely very Louis. Um the <laughs> um, drag me <laughs> the there's a like unrated cut and what's really funny is the director has like a thing where he like comes out at the beginning is like don't watch this version of the movie if you've not seen the original movie because it's not really a movie and it like it has, like, it doesn't just have extended takes in it. It has, like, 
multiple takes of the same thing like characters cracking each other up and everything and it's it's another thing where like i watched it even though i was already an editor when this came out and was like realizing like oh this is really funny because this is a peek behind the curtain uh to to like see like how movies are made and like how painful it can sometimes be you can have 20 great jokes yeah and you just gotta pick the one that like serves the best interest of the film hey what do you like better the shaft or the balls it's gross you like them both, don't you? It's like, sometimes, like, Tuesdays you want the big old fucking shiny-ass cock, and Wednesdays and Thursdays you're onto the balls. I don't know why you're talking about it. You can't choose, can you? That's a tough one. You love it, you're obsessed with it. No, you are, you keep talking about it. Why are you smiling at me? I'm serious. Fucking smile at me, I'll knock you out of this goddamn earth. Interesting. Sex drive. You know what? Revisit it. Yeah. Or don't. Or don't. We're not yeah. your masters. 2009, The Box. Boo. Boo. Uh, we, <laughs> we talked talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Just go listen to our Cameron Diaz episode. You'll be fine. Um, 2010, Death at a Funeral, the American remake of the British film because Americans can't stand a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> British. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, please laugh at that joke, Louis. That's, <laughs> um, the, we talked play- about this. Yeah, he's playing the role. We talked about this in a Chris Rock episode. Uh, he's playing the role Alan Tudyk plays. It's another, like, go-for-broke performance. I I think Alan Tudyk is, like, maybe slightly better in the um, British version. But I, I love that James Marston's, like, not afraid to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, directed by Neil LeBlue, like, I feel like this movie had a lot of, like, cultural cachet. Yeah. I, I don't think it made any impact. No. Like, at all. I mean, the, 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 it is a, essentially a black remake. Um, yes. And he is the one white person. Um, and it's just, I often think about this, like, it's, like, unfortunately, like, comedies that come from, like, the UK, it's just, like, you can't, you can't improve. Like, it cannot be done. I'm so sorry. Um, Yeah, and Neil Butte is not the director that Frank Oz is, and Frank Oz directed the original, so, which is so funny. Not even a British director. I don't know. I don't really under... I don't get it. I don't get it! Um, 2011, he does, like, a little tip spot on Modern Family, and he also does the movie Hop and Straw Dogs, Hop Can we just a- say, it feels like he is searching. Yes. He is lost right now. Yes. Like, X-Men is over. The singing and dancing is over. What the fuck is going on? Because we've got Hop and The Box and Straw Dogs. Yeah. I watched Straw Dogs today, and I was like, ha! Huh, very hot. He looks very <laughs> hot in Straw Dogs. I, I don't want to belabor Straw Dogs too much because I... The original Straw Dogs from the 70s is very controversial as it is. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really understand the point of remaking it. Um, I think the maybe the one... There's a couple like minor tweaks, which is the original Straw Dogs takes place in England. And so Dustin Hoffman is the sort of outsider because he's American. And it's like this rural England versus in the new one, it's the South. Um, and in the original, Dustin Hoffman's like a mathematician. And in this, he's like a, a, a writer. writer. And he's like researching nazi history and whatnot uh which i think is supposed to like add to the idea of that when shit goes down like how awful human like human nature is i think the biggest alteration between the original and this besides the fact that like i think the the once again trigger warning sexual assault the 
the sexual violence that occurs in the original is much more um, ambiguous and controversial. And it's like much more clear in this. But I think the, the concept is in the original, it's the idea that like all men are programmed to be awful beasts and all women are sort of programmed for sex in a way. And in the, in the remake, the idea is sort of like that it's it's more about society and like what you what's you're taught and like how how you're like warped into believing certain things and whatnot. Um I I was telling Dan about this. Dan has never seen either of them, and Dan said maybe the most astute thing, which I for a movie he's never seen, which is like I've always assumed Straw Dogs is a movie with no ideas. It sounds like the remake is a movie with one extra idea, and that still doesn't make any reason to make it Woo! and i was like yeah i was like that's what it felt like i was like i, I was think, like okay i think like i haven't seen the original but i saw this one and it's weirdly like very regressive and that like kate bosworth is the woman and she keeps telling james marsden like if you would just do something right you, you why aren't you doing anything and if you would just do something the original's these... very like that and it's like <laughs> this woman is standing around like being you know tortured and like harassed and and assaulted and like wants her husband to do something about it right it's it's weird it's a very very hard pill to swallow um and uh god what the fuck is the other guy who's so hot oh um true blood <sighs> Yeah, Eric Northman. Yeah. Why do I know his fake name? Uh, yeah. Skarsgård. Uh, Scar- Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård. Thank you. Um, my God, just doing a Southern accent. I believe it. because well, yeah. he knows oh. they're from Truth Blood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, um, yeah, I thought everybody was fine. I mean, I don't ever want to have to sit through James Woods ever again. But oh my God, when they threw that fucking hot O in his face, I was like, get that bitch, get her, <laughs> get her ass. Twenty twelve uh bachelorette robot and frank small apartments all indie films so he's you're right it's like he's decided like okay let's go the indie route for a moment let's try and see if there's anything there and yeah i didn't get to see robot and frank is like the one out of those three i haven't seen i've not seen bachelorette in years i should rewatch it throwback to our first episode right kirsten dunst uh i know you're a big fan i i didn't watch it because i know he's a love interest and i feel like it would be sort of a disservice to any of the women that are in that movie if i watched it for james marston i know that sounds weird but like no yeah i rewatched it like randomly i wasn't planning on it but i was like wait i know i love this movie why not um he's playing an asshole and it's fun it's very fun it's very fun that he gets to play against type and just be a dick um when it's great i also wonder if around this time um he was doing these smaller movies because he was also doing his larger guest starring work on 30 rock because 2012 2013 is when he and he is such a large part of those guest starring bits because he is playing not just liz lemon's love interest but her eventual husband right and so like I'm sure though that also like a TV schedule is pretty grueling. His name and is Chris Cross. LOL. Chris, yes. Oh my God. The scene with the, 
it, he's he basically becomes a housewife but the yeah. scene where he's like trying to put together the apartment and it he's like you look like you're in a gay porn and she's like you should talk wow look at you all sweaty with your tool belt and your 90s haircut you look like you're in a gay porno oh yeah you're one to talk buddy i'm brent i'm the new guy on the crew i'm rod i'm the boss and what i say goes I've never been with a man before. Looks like I'm the boss now, Rod. Oh, what are you doing? I don't know. Whatever. Let's wrestle. It doesn't matter. So I good. also think about that all the time. What does that say about me? Um, 2013, uh, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, As Cool As I Am, The Butler, Two Guns, and the English dub of The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Uh, I saw a bit of an interview with him where he couldn't even pronounce Princess Kaguya, and I was like, no, James. Sweet like, thing. Sweet you, thing. You sweet Oklahoma boy. Um, I have not seen Anchorman 2. I know he plays like a threatening other anchor. I'm sure he's fine in it. I'm sure he's fun. You know, th- he's that's like, the one crossover with Paul Rudd. Yeah. And he's like tapping into his old broadcast journalism. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did. Uh, I saw I I saw the butler and two guns in the theater with my mom. Um, the uh, I know it was a vacation. Okay. It, was a ra- it was a rainy day. We didn't have anything else to do. Um Two guns I did not rewatch. Uh, he only plays John F. Kennedy in The Butler. Um, so I feel like the one that maybe you might want to talk about is As Cool As I Am, because I know you saw it, which is an indie film where he plays, uh, he's the husband to Claire Danes, and they have a 14-year-old daughter played convincingly by a 24-year-old. And uh, the he's like, uh, is he, is, I couldn't remember, is he a, does he work as a like logger or an oil man? Like he goes away for large amounts of yeah. time for his job yeah. to like get away from his life essentially. And he's so it's an sort of... absentee father. Yeah. The whole vibe is that like Claire Danes has to lie to him. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. To work I, because he yeah. doesn't want her to work because yeah, women. Yeah, which is wild. Like I also have to say like Claire Danes has never been worse. This yeah. is, is a horrible movie it's so boring and i think everybody was directed really badly as well to like and it looks like a tv movie like it never escapes tv movie look which i think is when you have a cast of that caliber it's like yeah i i mean it's 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 really wild and i didn't know that it was based on a novel but like as i was watching this i was like this is a ya novel yeah this is a ya novel Um, It's, it's very that and and I listen. I love me some YA, like, but this is just bottom of the barrel dredges. I, ugh, ugh. <laughs> so you so you loved it. Yeah. Um, twenty fourteen, another big uh, working year for him, and I think this is maybe we're now seeing the after effects of getting off of Thirty Rock. Yeah. Um. So he does the best of me, the loss, the loft. Walk of Shame, Welcome to Me, and and like cameos in the next X Men movie. Um, Best of Me is the Nicholas Sparks movie you didn't see. Uh, I don't want to talk about it that much, but I want to say like it's hilarious because this movie is literally just the note. Like he finally got to play Ryan Gosling in the Notebook, except instead of dementia, it's crime. He proves that he could have played the Ryan Gosling role. Yeah, like, right. Oh, he, I, I did see he has like the stubble and I was like, yes. all right, bitch. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, my God. Um, The Loft is a crazy, sec- crazy yeah. town movie. 
it's the second remake of a I, I believe a a Belgian film. Um, also the second remake that the the same director is made because he made the original Belgian film and then it was remade in another country and that director got sick and he took over for her and then they remade it in the U.S. It's awful. Also, I you know I it's rare that erotic thriller forgets to be both erotic and thrilling. Um, yeah, yeah, I I didn't like it and I felt so bad because Eric Stone Street from Modern Family was in it. Jump scare! Jump scare! Maybe look at, the, the, look, look at those tits. I was yeah. like, what is happening? What That's is like, happening? It's like, I know you're straight in real life. And I know you don't want to be pigeonholed as the cam character for the rest of your life. But baby, this was not it. This, this was it. not it. Can't you guys see what's going on? Someone is trying to frame us. Who? Who wants to frame us? I don't know. But think about it. The body's cuffed to the bed. It's impossible to move. The Latin, the knife. Someone did this for a reason. Hell, the cops could be here any second. Yeah, but none of us know who this girl is. We don't even know how she got in here. Who else knew about the arrangement? Who else knows about our arrangement? Did anyone blab? A walk of shame. I don't know where this movie came. This 2002-esque movie yep. somehow got made in 2014. Um, Elizabeth Banks said, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. It's sexist and racist and like... Um, uh, it's not, I guess it's not homophobic. I guess it doesn't get the full trifecta. Cause like, it's weird. It's almost, I, I, uh, if you had asked, if you ask anyone, when do you think this movie was made? You right. would say like 2002, yeah. 20, 2014, we're out here making these types of jokes. And it's almost as if Elizabeth Banks desperately wanted to be those guys back in the day. Yeah. And is trying to prove that she can do it. And it's like, but should you do it is right. the real question here about James specifically. There's nothing there. Like, it's, no, that's he looks cute in her dress. There's a scene where he yeah. like tries on her dress. Yeah. Yeah. Again, also like not how news works in no. this movie. No, no, it's no. Like, it's like she does an alleged like hate crime at like a synagogue and like police. You, are, and also Carly Rae deserves better. It's she like sings call me maybe. And I was I like, know. yeah, leave yeah. Carly Rae out of this. But like cops on the scanner are like, there's a hate crime at a synagogue. I'm like, who told them? Yeah. Who told who, them? Who told who, them? Who called that in? Like, Uh-oh. not how news works. Now he's like mid ground. Now he's like building back up. I feel like um, he does the David O. Russell film, Accidental Love, um, the D train into the grizzly maze, which is also just, called grizzly um and unfinished business i have seen all four of these movies what a um, what a bad year what yeah. a what a what there, a bad year sometimes we're like oh we had a banger year it's like whatever the opposite of that is 2015 <laughs> is for i mean honestly lump in 2014 too two very bad years i would e- i would even say 2017 the next to the female brain in shock and awe like just just a bad four years yeah like, like I, um, I accidental love maybe one of the worst movies i've ever seen like yeah holistically for, for all of the talk of it being taken away from david o russell so much of it feels like david o russell that i was like a little shocked because i was expecting it to not and no it does it i mean it feels like early david o russell but whereas like um the i can't think of the name of the movie the movie he made with ben stiller that i really like uh like 
it's like the opposite of that. It's the we- it's so weird. And I read like some trivia thing that was like, oh, it comes out after Obamacare's passed, like rendering its message mute moot. And I was like, no, like we still don't have universal health care. Like yeah. it does like the message is there. It's just delivered so poorly. Are you thinking of flirting with disaster? Flirting with disaster, yes. Ben Stiller, Taylioni. Um I, I like that movie a lot. Um, I do not like David O. Russell. I think he's a total asshole. Um, but yeah, this movie's really bad. Um, I, James Marston plays, uh, he's a cop who's going to get married to Jessica Biel. She accidentally gets a nail in her head. Um, and like, it leads to kooky, crazy emotional outbursts later on because she can't get it removed because she doesn't have insurance. The movie is, it's just an SNL sketch that doesn't end. No, truly. And, and Jake, Jake, I feel like I bash Jake Gyllenhaal maybe once every three episodes. Jake Gyllenhaal, what are you doing? What are you What are you what doing? Are you doing? It's, yeah. it's crazy. I don't know when he made this. Like, I don't know, between Prince of Persia or something else. Where, <laughs> because he's like this congressman he's who's very like... ripped. But yeah. in crazy town ripped. I, the tone of this movie is bonkers. The... Nothing is funny here. Not literally no. nothing. Nothing. I didn't laugh once. No. And it, usually you can get even like a pity laugh out of me. I'm a pretty easy laugh. That, it's um, incredible. I, I real quick just want to mention Into the Grizzly Maze, which is not a good movie, but like kind of. I I love watching a movie that like thinks it's Jaws, mm. and it is not. We need like, to talk about the D train. Yeah, I would like to talk about the D train. I. It's a bad movie. I weirdly think I liked it better than you did. Yeah, I I I really didn't like it. I it's interesting though that like there's this theme throughout his career where he is playing either bi or queer characters, yeah. but it's very like nonchalant. It's very kind of like no labels, just like right, right. vibes. Um I it's it to me it falls into the genre of movie where like Jack Black is playing playing someone who is insufferable and i'm not going to feel sorry for him like i'm not going to i okay and and i will accept that and like maybe he's sort of miscast but i also think there's a little bit of a misdirection and not misdirection as in like look this way and not like miss miss badly directed um i know you like mentioned you were like mike white fell off he only produced this i wish as a producer he'd been like we need to like think out the script especially because this is the man that wrote and directed chuck and buck and it's actually like kind of deals with similar themes but essentially jack black is this guy who like is a loser and but is also the head well the self-appointed head of his reunion committee and he sees james marston who was kind of this like cool guy he went to high school with in a commercial and is like oh my god he's so famous we got to get him to the reunion and so he like goes to la and they get drunk together and James Marston fucks him. Literally. Like, literally, like, there's a scene yeah. of him fucking him. And uh, Jack Black doesn't really know what to do with that and then sort of devolves into, like, a jealous lover um, as James Marston, like, invades his life by, like, coming to the uh, reunion and whatnot. I think that there, I think there's a deeper core here that's really interesting about sexuality and about, like, those questions and whatnot. And I do think the movie is surprisingly really not judgmental about it. Like there, there's like 
the next day shower scene in it and i think a lesser comedy the instinct would be like jack black would be so disgusted at what he did and he's not he's kind of just like where do what I is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will um, say, like, it does walk that line of like, it's not. No one is even when the big secret comes out that he fucked him. No one is like giving him right. shit about it. It's just kind of like you're the fucking craziest liar I've ever met. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about, yeah? You know what I want to talk about? Yeah. What do you want to hear? Huh? You want to hear that I want to be with you? What? what? Oliver, wait, why did the music stop? Did that do it for you, Dan? You tell me. You want to hear that I can't stop thinking about when we fucked? No, no, outside. That I'm rock hard right now just thinking about it? How's that? Oh, Dan, I can't wait to get my dick back in your mouth. I'm so dying to make you come since you didn't last time. How's that? Maybe that's what you're looking for. Oliver. No, 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 let's fucking talk, man. You wanted to do this? Let's talk. Let's get some closure. How are we in this? How's this? It meant nothing to me. You weren't even a blip on my fucking radar. I just wish that the like any of that could have been deeper. And and I I think there, there's like an ending monologue to the movie that ruins the entire fucking film. Like just really is like an affront to everything you've just watched. Um, and I learned to love myself the end by like, being a total fucking asshole. Like it's, it's the weirdest, um, cause it's like an anti-moral in a way. And I don't, it's, it's it, the whole thing about him being a loser is that like, he's not being honest. He's not right. telling people what he wants, what he needs. He's trying to flex for his wife. Also, my God, he's a big fucking loser, but he has Catherine Hahn as a wife. And right, like a, he's married to Catherine Hahn. And like a middle-aged child. It's like, I, it, <laughs> it, it, it's so hard for me to be like, poor guy. Like, even his and, boss, who he's lied to the entire time, is like, you could have gone over the weekend. You didn't have right. to drag, you, you didn't have to drag me into any of this. And it's the, like... The subplot that his son is like, gonna have more gonna have a threesome and it's gonna be like more sexual experience than he's ever had is a really weird subplot but there's a there's a really good moment towards the end where his son like is like i know that you fucked james marston like and jack black like breaks down and cries and if that moment had just lasted a beat longer before it tried to like hard pivot to humor it it could have been something and it just doesn't and i know there's no point in watching a movie and wishing it was something else but i like i was i felt oddly connected to this film in a way that like i was like i could like i like i'm literally like the like i can fix them daddy yeah. like <laughs> like about I this wonder, movie like, i wonder though like if i wonder if the fix a lot of the fix would be just like not jack black yeah because I think Jack Black's energy is just too manic and brings it to a place where it's like it's so hard to like want to like this guy because there is like complicated weirdness, but like it just devolves into like something completely else. Like Jack Black is in another fucking space time continuum than this movie. Everyone else is a yeah. real human and he's not. Um, but we we again though just like a weird fucking movie. Like why why is James here? Like weird. <laughs> um, the female brain in shock and awe in twenty seventeen. Um, saw both yeah shock and awe feels like a movie where he was like and now an Oscar 
Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it's it's just it's a very good story. Right. Um, but it's like a, it is a good story. Yeah. It, but uh, I don't. Why is Jessica Biel here? Why are we doing rom com in the middle of this? Why? Right. Well, that's that's what it, it really wants. What Spotlight has, and it can't pull it off at all. And I think I I would literally blame Rob Reiner for that. The director who's also in it. I just think that James Marston was like a Rob Reiner political movie. Like I'm in, but it feels like uh, someone because it's based on a true story about how the reporters at Knight Ritter were the only ones who actually had the story about um, Iraq and 9-11 and Afghanistan and the invasion of Iraq and like how it was like a big nothing burger. Everyone else was reporting that, you know, there are weapons of mass destruction. I will say like, always love good shoot- shitting on like the New York Times and Judy yeah, Miller. Yeah, and Judy Miller specifically. Yeah, fuck her a lot. But I think this is a classic case of like, I don't know how involved the people in the true story were in this, right. but like, this needed to be moved to someone else who can say like, we need to cut this down to be leaner and meaner and like not as this is this was like gift wrapped of like right. Ah, uh, it was too pretty about these two guys who had the story and no one else did. Um, it, it and I'm a sucker for journalist movies and so like I appreciate it and I think it's a very important story. But like uh, the movie's kind of like full of hot air. Um, and like, you know, he he does a cameo as Burt Reynolds in the expanded cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I've seen, and he he oh, shockingly looks so much like a young Burt Reynolds. Um, uh, but like, really, this is, and and we're gonna talk. I mean, I feel like you guys would hate us if we didn't talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. But this, I I want to say, post this as like TV era because he starts doing Westworld in 2016. Um, he also joins the cast of Dead to Me in 2019. Both of those are concurrent uh, until 2022. He does The Stand in 2020 to 2021, which is a mini series, And he does two episodes of Party Down in 2023. And then all nine episodes of Jury Duty in 2023. Um, you know, and the only movies he's really doing during that time are Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Disenchanted. Um and these are, I would say he has a really large part in the first Sonic the Hedgehog, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Disenchanted, he's like clearly doing on his weekends. Yeah. I mean, like these are kind of like paycheck movies. They're also like kid movies. I think, yeah. this, I think the Sonic movies are actually pretty decent. Yeah. Like, like I, I was a little shocked at how low the stakes were. In the, yes. Beca- and I think it's because I'm so used to like Marvel movies that literally the first Sonic movie is just... Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik wants to kill a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they they were like, you know, we should just give Jim Carrey like space and time to do bits. Yep. And honestly work like it, <laughs> it, it, it works. And so, yeah, uh, he's, he's getting paychecks, making kids movies for a lot of that era because he's doing his TV shit. Um, right. It's was, funny. He, he's a huge Jim Carrey fan. Like, Jim Carrey was, like, one of his idols when he was a teen. And I love listening to him talk about Jim Carrey because it's, it's like, he's not faking it. Like, yeah. he, like, loves Jim Carrey. So the fact that he got to be in a movie with Jim Carrey and watch him work 
And I think that, like, also kind of expanded my brain as to, like, oh, that's who James Marston, like, pictures himself. Like, he he even did one interview where he's like, I really wanted to show him my Fire Marshal Bill impersonation because I think it's pretty good. Incredible. But I just couldn't find a way to bring it up in conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like, you can, like, kind of see that when he's going for broke. He is kind of giving his right. Jim Carrey, like, you know, wannabe um, moment. Um, were you a Westworld person? Not really. I watched the first episode and I was like, this seems fine, but I I, I never got to st- it. It literally started around the time we started the podcast. And so yeah. I was like, I've got more homework to do. Yeah, than- yeah, no, I, I never was, but people seem to like it and then they seem to not. And now HBO yeah. has banished it forever. So whatever. I do like Dead to Me. Um, yeah, I, he's great in Dead to Me as well. He was supposed to only be in the first season and they, they said, bring him back. And then like, uh, we're talking about him or, or not we, but like, the universe is talking about him because of jury duty and like lol that's the first time he's like you know kind of gotten a a, a big of like awards notice is for playing this heightened version of himself and jury duty um and i i fucking jury, jury duty is great like i love it it's it's so fun it's so fun i i binged all of it um literally like i've been waking up early for the job i've currently been working uh, and last week I was literally up until like one thirty in the morning because I was, wa- I watched the second to last episode and it ends with the big reveal. Yeah. And you, you can't, you can't stop there. Yeah. I was like, I need to know more. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, the moment when he's like on his phone with his agent he's like, please don't tell me a Chris Pine guy. Chris Pine. I know. Oh, uh, that and, is and, maybe because you know it's real like that's real right. like right that, is, that has happened to him right and that's exactly that's all i could think of was like his um you know and then i brought up chris pine but the uh, there's a great npr interview with him where he talks about like you know it's it's he's always loved playing that sort of heightened version of himself but i made it clear that it was important to me that i didn't want to be a part of a prank show you know right. i was not that i was not interested in being cruel or mean-spirited at all. You know, I do this kind of bit on set sometimes when we're sitting around waiting for the cameras to be set up. I'm not talking about jury duty. I'm talking about every other movie or TV show I've ever a part of. And uh-huh. I just think it's it's a funny little bit to like pretend like you're the actor who is trying to be affable and like self-deprecating, but really what comes through is the the, <laughs> the narcissism <laughs> and the, and the, the uh, conceited nature of, you know, it's that whole thing of like, I'd, you know, I would do a, a little bit on set and be like, yeah, I don't think people really truly understand how difficult it is to be an actor. <laughs> I know there are really tough and dangerous vocations out there, but... I don't think people really know how hard it is. I'm sorry, the coffee is a little yeah. lukewarm. These ice cubes are too cold. Right. <laughs> right. And so, I don't know. I just thought the idea of sending up that that sort of trope and, and playing with it, and I'm, I'm doing it in my own shoes, um, was an exciting, funny thing for me to explore. But then to, like, do it for a real-life human being and, yeah. like... And he's like, especially this guy, like, who is so open hearted that you want him to like you. Yeah. And like, so then you have to be like, I hope he doesn't think I'm a sociopath, just right. that I'm a human. Right. You know, like, um, 
yeah i i highly recommend and it like it's for free and yeah on freebie it's It's totally worth everyone's time we don't talk about tv that much on this show but i i i would really recommend it's eight episodes long i think altogether, and so good he also does a lot of voice work over the years um he does uh the the henchman my little pony a new generation um paw patrol the mighty movie so he is definitely making the rounds but uh you know i just to give like a tiny touch into his personal life there's not a lot of he's not like a big tabloid guy like there's not a lot of information out there about him he married mary elizabeth lind daughter of dennis lind on july 22nd in the year 2000 they have two children a son born in 2001 and a daughter born in 2005 they divorced in 2011 he also has a son that was born in 2012 with model rose costa I don't think they're married. I think they, they've just been together um, since, since then. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, three kids by the age of 50, like, that's sort of, like, the model, he's, you he's, know, the he's model got life. A, he's got his 2.5 children. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think that sort of wraps up James Marston. Why don't we get in our one-star reviews to get those knocks in um, before we talk about the positive stuff? All right. You can go in a lot of different directions here because, like we said, we're, there are a lot of. Um, if there are if there are banger years, then there must be mash years, and so yeah. these these are, you know, like we mentioned, the mash years of like the early 2010s. Um, I I I think I just have to give it to as cool as I am. Um, <laughs> it's I understand. It's it's a comedy drama. Um, it is based off of a book of the same name. Um, it it's wants to be like indie, like weirdo, kooky booky. Um, there is this girl. Oh my god! The the scene where they like walk around their neighborhood feeding the dogs is their like Easter tradition. Yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> There's a girly who's like a tomboy, and like she she has to take care of her mother because her mom Claire Danes is like. I don't know, lying to her dad and she has a job and also like, she's very much like the vibe of like, she's not my mom. She's my friend and like hates her for it. Um, she, Who does she have an affair with? She has an affair with someone. There's uh, like two different men. Nonetheless, like, um, isn't there? Oh, like, it's, Jeremy, it's Jeremy Sisto. It's Jeremy yeah. Sisto. Also, her best friend is Anika Noni Rose, who... Maybe Bless ha- her heart, she is getting paid. She has maybe two scenes in yeah. this entire film. Um, it's just, I, I, anytime um, James Marsden is on the scene, it's like, what do you mean mom's working? And like, it, aggressively, just aggressively like mean and uh, angry and like uh, heteronormative. You know, I just kept thinking like, again, the straights aren't okay. Um, Claire, uh, Claire Danes' career worst. Yeah, um, I I think the the biggest sin of the movie is is it deals with some things that I feel like uh, like are much more prevalent in um young adult novels, but not so much in young adult films. Mm. And and I thought that like that stuff could have been interesting. If it was just a better movie, but I but I was like impressed because I I think I think a lot of young adult stuff now edges 
a little more towards less controversy because they don't want their books banned. But this like deals a lot with sex and sexual assault and abortion, abortion. And I was like, oh, these are really interesting. But this movie's so nothing that it just. But also like the sex stuff and the abortion stuff is (sighs) this movie is not about this girl. Like they give so much of this movie away to Claire Danes and like her need to like fall back in love with this high school guy and go to Mexico and like they give her 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 hobby her 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 dream is to become a chef and she watches Mario Batali cancellation yeah 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 <laughs> tough but like a lot of sins committed here and um i james is bad but only as bad as like the movie is bad like i don't right, think right. like but I will say, like, the tone is just fucking wild because it's, like, it's not, like, domestic violence vibes, I don't think. And N- No, and that's what's weird. Uh, and, and not that I want to watch him commit domestic violence, but, no. like, but it seems to imply that he's, like, really aggro, except yeah. for with Claire Danes. But also, like, he doesn't want her to work. And, right. But, like, also, Claire Danes is literally cheating on him. Yeah. Like, she's not a saint in this either. Um... Uh, and by the end the daughter is like i don't fucking need you and you don't come around here anymore and then he just kind of like rides off into the sunset um all around just like not good filmmaking not good acting not good writing so i should want to be tortured and mutilated rather than have sex with a guy i really like is that the moral to this story this is not the person I want you to be, Lucy. Who do you want me to be? You want me to be like mom, who as it happens, you got pregnant when you were both exactly my age. Your mother and I gave up everything. We got married to have you. What? How about if I'm a self-centered, immature, controlling high school dropout who uses every excuse not to be with my family? Is that the person you want me to be? Such an awesome role model, Dad. It sort of sucks, and I'm not saying that you can't i i think this is an excellent one star review pick it sort of sucks to be like this indie film this first time filmmaker but like some like somebody at some point had to be like we like we need something here like we need style or like a another pass on the script or just something that like it just did a book it just did a book yeah yeah, yeah. Period. Um, yeah, yeah. That's my one star review. What about you, Gavin? My one star review is 2006's Lies and Alibis. It's also known as The Alibi Outside the U.S. Uh, it uh, came out direct to video here. It's a movie about Steve Coogan, who plays like uh, a fixer who like runs a, a service for adulterous husbands, essentially. Um, and he gets involved with Rebecca Romaine, um, and he works for James Brolin, who's this very rich man whose family has a history of cheating on their wives. And uh, his son, James Marston, now wants to cheat on his girlfriend. And on his first night with this woman he's cheating, he, like, accidentally kills her. Hey, what happens? Uh, yeah, I know. Exactly. It's a prelude and, to the loft. Basically. And um, and the the whole movie, like, it, it's so funny to find out that this movie was written by Noah Hawley, 
who created the Fargo TV show. Very this movie, weird. This movie is very Coen Brothers light, like wants to be Coen Brothers. There's assassins, there's uh, policemen, uh, jealous ex-lovers. Like it's a huge cast. Sam Elliott's in it. Jamie King's in it. Uh, Debbie Mazar, Henry Rollins, um, Terry Crews in a smaller role. Uh, John Leguizamo has cornrows in it. I was like, could we not? Um, Selma Blair. It's like really complicated and the movie really very much hinges on how charming you find Steve Coogan when he's not playing himself. Hmm. And that answer is kind of, I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, but the reason I'm giving it my one star review specifically for James Marsden is this is a nothing role. Mm. Like this is, this is the one time I was like, he didn't even show up. Like yeah. he, he's literally playing the base of just like, I'm a guy who killed someone. Why can't you get me off? Like, why can't help me out guy? She has a Mexican. No, she's a boyfriend who's a Mexican. Well, he's a Hispanic American, but he would fucking kill both of us if he knew. And the guy at the bed and breakfast saw me. I think he saw me. He was, you know, this was all her idea. So I don't shut know. up, Wendell. Did you have any idea? You killed a girl. I'm sorry, believe me. Fuck, you think I wanted this to happen? Look, the good thing is, it's your name on the hotel bill, right? Not mine. So technically, I wasn't even there. You're not gonna tell my dad, are you? Anybody could have played this role. James Marston brings nothing special to it, no flavor. Like, so it's just like, why? Why did he take this role? Like, what? Yeah. Like, these are young filmmakers, so I'm sure the payday wasn't exactly huge on this one, especially after it went direct, direct to video. I and don't this know. Is, and this is post X Men. Yeah, this is post X Men. I I truly don't know what any of the thought process was about this. Yeah. Like, this feels like the movie he would have made. Maybe after getting off that Noah Ark show. Yeah. But like second Noah or Noah's second, whatever that is. Uh but uh the but not after X-Men. Yeah. Certainly not after X-Men. Certainly so, not after the notebook. Like, hello? Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't recommend watching this movie. Poor Rebecca Romaine. She's so good at it. Also, Cardinal Sin with me. Um, this movie uses the Barker role from Tales of Hoffman, which is like my favorite opera, twice in it. Um, and neither time it's used well at all. So like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that to don't poor. Do yeah, that. Offenbach. He doesn't deserve that. What are? I mean, there there are some pretty bad. I mean, accidentally in love or accidental love is yeah, truly one of the, like. Uh, if I could give um a, a a neg Oscar for like cast worst cast ensemble accidental love, truly, um. I, if I had to pick a second one, but I, I don't think I could, with good conscience, give a one-star review for um, James Marston for it. There's this film he made in 2012 called Small Apartments. It's a disgusting movie. It's another movie with a great cast. Like, it's like Billy Crystal, um, Rebel Wilson, Saffron Burroughs, Amanda Plummer, Dolph Lundgren, Johnny Knoxville, Juno Temple. Like, it's a great cast. Matt Lucas is the lead in it. Oh. Matt Lucas is one of the only celebrities who ever had me blocked on Twitter. Um, wow. All that? I think, yeah. I think it's I think it's because I'm friends with somebody who wrote something mean about him once. And I think it was like an auto chain block thing. But I was still like, 
what the fuck did I do to you? Not that I like you very much, but, um, but yeah, it's really bad. It's a movie that has very much, um, contempt for its subjects. Uh, and it's all about mental illness and whatnot. And it like thinks it's being quirky and weird and it's gross. But I will say this, there's a scene in which Billy Crystal and James Caan just like have a conversation. And I was like, wow. Acting. acting yeah like there you go where was this in the rest of the movie but uh yeah I, I mean there's there's so many of these and i feel like we would have more time like just naming the bat like walk of shame the loft like interstate um, 60 interstate 60 10th and wolf um I, the I wolf don't, is fine it's, it's very fine yeah it's like i'm sure straight people like it unfinished business too which is a movie we didn't really talk about but it's the last one i watched and it it's so bad and doesn't doesn't warrant um any conversation but i think that sort of wraps up our one star reviews why don't we get into our five star reviews and talk about uh mr cheekbones himself and what we like so much about him <laughs> Thank goodness we're out of there. Oh, I, I hate talking ill of a man, of my husband. Um, my uh, five-star review, and, you know, I think there's some really great casting where he just, like, is really firing. But I think um, the best of the best is 2007's Enchanted. Um, it's just uh, every secret weapon... The reason why you get James Marsden on a film is on display here. He's talked about how, like, this was the only time he read a script and, like, immediately knew exactly (laughs) who this was, knew exactly how he was going to play it. Um, You know, uh, this movie was kind of a groundbreaking at the time because it was, like, mixed animation and mixed real life. It, like, was a return to, like, hand-drawn Disney vibes. Um... Like Gavin mentioned earlier, uh, Princess Giselle has been banished into the real world by Narissa, Prince Eric. Is it Eric or Edward? Edward. Um, Prince Edward's mother, who is secretly evil. Um, And she is learning that, like, all the Disney tropes of princesshood and happily ever after are, like, fake. Um, Falls in love with McDreamy. Prince Edward goes to New York to try and find her. And he is just the most swashbuckling smiley confused himbo prince man um but he's just so funny and so endearing and so charming handsome as hell of course um you know great voice great Great voice oh my god the scene where he's like singing to her and he's like you're not singing like try (laughs) waiting for her to sing I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss. He sings too. And a miss I have begun to miss. Pure and sweet waiting to complete my love song. Yes, somewhere there's a maid I've never met who was made. Who was made. what's wrong you're not singing it's just so good all the scenes where he's like the little chipmunk is trying to tell him how about the guy who's being evil and he's just like what he's like i'm handsome yeah (laughs) yeah yeah oh please magic mirror please tell me where it's he's 
he's hamming it up to 11, but it just makes so much sense. And he, he even talked about in an interview, like, everyone on set was like, how big are we taking this? Like, what right, is the right. vibe? And luckily, him and Amy Adams and everyone just said, oh, we're going to go fucking balls to the wall. And and the tone is just so perfect. And um, yeah, he gets to display all the chops. All of them. He's charming. He's funny. He's song and dance man. He's gets, he gets to do it all. It's great. Two things um, that are not even about him necessarily. Amy Adams was uh, auditioned 175 of 200 women. Um, and she wasn't like a big star yet then. So like they cast her because she was slightly unknown. But it's just wild to be like, she was that deep into the audition process, but they were like, oh, she gets it. And then also Disney was going to make Princess Giselle an official Disney princess. And then they realized she, they would have to pay likeness rights to uh, Amy yeah. Adams sure. for the rest of her life. Sure. Fucking business. Fucking, Fucking business. business. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He's so good as Edward, like truly, truly, truly um, really steals that movie. I think the only thing that would keep me from naming it my five-star review is, like, I rewatched it and was kind of like, this movie's fine. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm taken it's by very the ch- cute. It's very cute. Yeah, yeah. I'm taken by the charm. Unfortunately, I think, like, what Disney did with Enchanted is that they created a mess for themselves. Yeah. Because now the machine of it, that's why we get Frozen and, like, these movies that like don't have villains and like, you know, puncturing this, the magic quote unquote, right. The Disney magic of romance yeah. and true love's kiss and all this stuff. Um, they've created this mess that we're in now um, where th- it's harder to make these movies. Um, but I, 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 I did watch disenchanted. I think it that's really bad. And I think like, felt like a tv movie even though they clearly spent money on it i just think like i understand the thought process enchanted made so much money you have to make a sequel but like if the script's not there like don't yeah you don't don't do it it. you don't got it babes yeah and he he had to like they really had to marginalize his role because he was both busy wrapping up westworld and dead to me at the same time and like had a very limited shooting range so that's why like literally in the the like big climactic moment like Giselle has to be like where's Edward and and uh Adina Menzel has to be like he stayed behind <laughs> like <laughs> rough yeah rough. um good pick though he's so good he's so good in it uh in that role um sort of what he was born to play absolutely um funny enough I'm also gonna go with 2007 because it's finally happened hairspray got my five-star review wow there we go Uh, we've uh, mentioned hairspray so many times this is the musical version um and uh funny enough directed by adam shankman who directs the sequel to enchanted disenchanted um and he plays corny collins who's the host of a of a like top of the pops slash american bandstand type show where you know local to baltimore but like young white kids can go and dance and then once a week they have uh they have a day in which black people can go and do it and he's a force for like attempting to integrate it but like the tv station won't let that happen because whites and black people can't be together um and so he he really is uh responsible for helping 
Tracy, a larger white girl, get on the show and she leads the charge for integrating the show. Um, I love this performance. I think it, the the way that he's able to turn on the like TV, like, yeah. like, hey, I'm on TV. I'm Courtney Collins, like versus when he's off screen and he's like a normal person, but like a normal person who believes in the goodness of other people and the the right thing to do and whatnot. Um, I think it'd be very easy, even though once again, this is based off a of pre-existing material. I think it'd be very easy to make the Corny Collins character a villain to yeah. make him, you know, be the force of, of non-integration, but he's very much like, listen, I'm the face of the show. I want this to happen. Yeah. And, the, and they're still like, no, we're not going to let it happen. We don't want our dancers thrusting like savages. Hey, speak for yourself. Don't get flipped with me. I'm not. Look, now, I got some new ideas for the show. First, we get rid of Negro Day. Finally, some sense out of you. And we mix those kids in with the rest of the council. Mix those kids? That's right, I said it. Is this not a black and tan cocktail? Well, why couldn't it be? Velma, isn't this where it's all heading anyway? Now you can fight it or you can rock out to it. Maybe it is time for some fresh ideas, like like a nice, fresh new host. Gee, Velma, how do you fire Corny Collins from the Corny Collins show? I think also, like, he's... It, uh, is it the nicest kids in town? That's the number. Yes. The way he just moves and dances. I, I, yes. <laughs> it's just... It's so natural. And also, I have to say, again, like, he in both of these movies, he is playing the most conventionally attractive person. But they are not about, like, showing off his ripped bod or, like, you know, right. being so... Um, conventionally masculine he's literally wearing tights and like being a goofball and enchanted and in hairspray you know he's singing and dancing you right know? he's and- like bright white teeth like like a thousand teeth in his mouth yeah uh like perfectly quaffed hair like spraying cans of hairspray around you know like there, there's nothing particularly manly about either right. of these roles especially in hairspray and i just think that's um a quality that I think is one of his superpowers where he gets to, you know, men want to be him. Women want to like be with him. Um, and, and everyone in between, it's just, uh, yeah. Hair. I mean, like we, I mean, we said this up top, like 2007 was just his year. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree. I mean, I, I do, I think there's an argument to be made for like X-Men 2 as a five-star review, but I just think he's not given enough to do during it. And I, you know, I'm trying to think of some other, maybe 27 dresses. I'm not as hot on it as you are, but I like his performance a lot in it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think 27 dresses is a five-star movie. Yeah. Uh, and and <laughs> I'm kind of there too. And I don't think... Those roles, like the one in 27 Dresses and in Walk of Shame, it's he's he's just like a boring guy. Right. Like, and and even though he's charming and like, you know, thank goodness they get the girl in the end, it's not he's it, what he is good at, what he was meant to do on this earth was to sing and dance right. and right. and ham it up. Okay. Like, and he's not able to do those things for any of this. I will say. I, I, and again, I don't know. The 24th day, 
I think he is very good in it. No, and that's great. I I should watch it. I should I I kept forgetting it was like on my list, and I kept like pushing it back and not. Um, it's just a, yeah. It's a it's just a weird performance. He's clearly a liar, and he has a lot of shame about like how many sexual partners he's had. There's a moment where um, the Scott Speedman's character says something to the effect of. Why don't you fucking care? You don't fucking care that you killed my wife. You killed you're you're killing me, and and he just kind of breaks down. Um, James Marsden and he says, "Man, are you fucking kidding me? I wish I didn't care about this." Everyone tells us we have to be so careful. Everyone says you know that we're gonna get HIV. He's like, I wish I could just lay with someone and be with them and not care, but and it's like this fear right around HIV and and stuff. Um, and I was like, my God, like that's it's 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 a very powerful, affecting scene, and and he's very good in it. So, um, but again, I just don't know because the movie's so fucking weird, um, right? But I I think there's an a, maybe an argument to really be made for like in terms of scene stealing, death at a funeral. Once again, not a five star movie, but I think he's very good in that role. Even though I did say Alan Tudyk is better in the original, I still think he like takes it and runs with it in a in a different direction um but yeah but i mean i i think it's it, but i think it's, those i think it's those two i think it's hairspray and, and yeah um, but it's and, like it's, it's enchanted like we, it's like we said though like for someone who has all the skill and the tools i don't think and, and i think a lot of people say this like hollywood didn't know what to do with him and right. also i think because he like I, I think Chris Pine and all these other guys who are in that all lane, these other Chris's who are in that lane probably cared more than him. Yeah, he seems like so like unserious and kind of like unaffected by it. You know, like he wants to be dumb. He wants to be silly. He doesn't like. Right. And and I don't think he gives off the macho bravado superhero vibe. Like like Cyclops works because back then. Superheroes were like wearing black leather and like right brooding, you know, like not doing the whole thing um, that they are now. Um, so yeah, it, he's kind of like been this enigma that Hollywood can't crack because even though he has the leading man looks, um, everything else just doesn't. I, again, I, I keep thinking about Zac Efron. It's just kind of like that's such an interesting comparison. I I didn't I didn't think of Zac Efron once, but I like it. I like, I understand where, you know. Well, and it's like, I mean, the other is, I mean, in, in the opposite direction is Ryan Gosling, right? Who, right. Ryan Gosling is a, a very serious, you know. Right. He wants to do like the the most indie, the most like weirdo, right. the most. It's, it's also to compare him to Ryan Gosling because when we did a Ryan Gosling episode, we kind of talked about how Ryan Gosling exists inside of a character like he puts on a fake voice yeah to to do interviews and stuff and james marston doesn't have any of that artifice and i think that's part of it you know as well too is like that it's the thing i was saying about him versus chris pine earlier too where like chris pine also has leading man looks but really wants to be a character actor but every time that he plays a character it's like put me under pounds of makeup or like you know like i don't make me the dashing lead and james marston's like i'll play a character but i'm i'm gonna be james marston you know <laughs> like yeah it's it's interesting and I don't, who knows maybe chris pine has 
a better agent, right. more, more taste, is saying no to more things. Who, I, who fucking knows? Um, but yeah, it's a, why wasn't, do you think James Marsden went for Into the Woods? Right. Maybe. Right. Could have done it, right? Why yeah. not? Um, interesting. Very interesting to ponder and think about. I had no idea we were going to get this deep into the weeds with James Marsden, and yet here we are. Here we are. This is what we're here for. Before we get into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews review? My one-star review is 2013's As Cool As I Am. And my one-star review is 2006's Lies and Alibis. My five-star review is 2007's Enchanted. And my five-star review is also in 2007 with Hairspray. All right, let's get into our fast forward. So he has a couple things coming up. Um, there's a, a movie in post-production called Knox Goes Away. It's uh, I think it's actually out of post-production because I think I have a, I think our friend Christy has seen it. Oh. Um, and it, it's Michael Keaton directing. Um, uh, I it's... don't know. It's like Al Pacino's in it. Marsha Gay Harden's in it. It's, it's allegedly like a, coming out next month. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely out of post-production then. As somebody who works in post, it's out. Um, the, uh, But, yeah, it's a crime movie. I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Who knows? Um, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, he's filming. I'm sure he's cashing some fat checks for that. Good for him. Also, we'll say him and Tika Sumter as a couple. Yes. Hot. Love it. Yeah. Yes. And like, and like good and believable. And like, I know he's like, a like, he's kind of like a chemistry factory, but like, they're so cute together. They're like, so cute together. Um, He's also in, but so is literally all of Hollywood. The Jerry Seinfeld Netflix movie, Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart Story, directed by Jerry Seinfeld, um, written by four different people. Um. I don't know. Is it going to be good? Who knows? Literally, what? like, what? It, 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 did Jerry Seinfeld be like, I have a crazy story? Or, like, did he <laughs> did he read a book? Uh, I feel like he must have read a book. Like, that's the... <laughs> it, I mean, apparently Netflix got this big bidding war to, like, win the rights to it. Um, yeah, it's the, Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Amy Schumer, Hugh Grant. Like it's Ugh, Amy Schumer. I know, fucking <laughs> enough. enough, enough, enough. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. Enough. Oh, my I girl. Know. We'll my, we'll my talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't like. It's almost like I. Oh, there's a part of that's like. I'm not mad if he's in his kid era, make Sonic movies, make Paw Patrol movies. I, I Great, whatever. Right. But I don't know if Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart story, and right. and Knox goes away. The, like, I do think he needs to be a little bit more selective. Yeah. Or take some of that Sonic the Hedgehog money. Yeah. And, like, really find something... That he can get behind him because he hasn't produced anything. He's never like kind of right. But and again, that goes back to like not that I like ever think fucking Bradley Cooper is like a paragon of anything. But like that's a man who says this is exactly what I want, right. and I'm going to do it. I'm going to create my own work. Like, Jennifer Lopez, yeah. like uh, yeah, people who are like are ambitious with their artistry and acting. But I think that's just like maybe his fatal flaw. He's like 
doesn't care that much. Right. And he has said, like, if Marvel knocks on his door to, like, to be Cyclops again, he's like, I'd be an idiot to pass it up. Like, he knows where his bread is buttered, but he doesn't, like, he's not willing to, like, wait in line for that bread. He's not willing to, like, pay any extra for it. Like, he, yeah, he just sort of exists in the Hollywood game. And you're right. I think, I think maybe it is. Cause, like, even Chris Pine, like, is directing a movie like he has a movie coming out that he directed like i think it is that i think it it is like he doesn't really have any higher ambition than to be the actor that he is and that's fine you know like he's getting paid he's still getting cast he's doing these things but like it does feel like a a little bit of a waste because he is so talented yeah i think he just likes kind of being like the silly affable guy right who you can call on to do the thing it's like because we often get to the fast forward and we're like, I'd love to see him on stage. I don't think he wants to be on stage. I don't no. think he's interested in doing eight shows a week for no. an audience. Like, no. I, he's got kids and everything. And um, I was thinking about this, though. What a gag it would be if he did, like, because Hugh Jackman's now too old, if they made, like, a film out of The Boy from Oz. Or, because he can do an Australian accent. Or if they did, like, another version of The Music Man and he just, like took it out from under like i mean yeah i uh, th- that would that would be a gag <laughs> it's funny because we didn't even think about this the hugh jackman of it all hugh jackman yeah. is handsome can sing and dance right you know but i guess he has like kind of the same the little rom-com here has been trying to find a dramatic thing to like make him right. serious never has really happened but it goes back to exactly what you were talking about at the beginning of the episode, which you were like, Hugh Jackman does Wolverine and gets fucking ripped. It's like, I, you know, don't know what's going on in Hollywood, maybe enhancements, whatever. But like, James Marsden doesn't want to do that. Like, he's yeah. like, you know. And like, of course, he's got like a Hollywood bod, you know, I'm yeah. not saying he's like a like uggo or anything. But no. it's like he's clearly not like interested in be having like the enormous biceps. He right. is like just kind of normal guy, and I think as part of that, it's not because. And here's the thing: he's not a theater person. Hugh right. Jackman is a theater person, and he's so sincere and is so earnest in wanting the thing. And I think Ryan Gosling's the same way. I think Chris Pine's the same way. James Marsden, he's too cool. He's it's, yeah. He's like he's he's kind of like the stoner slacker friend who's like, yeah, I can do that, but like I don't want to work for it. You know? <laughs> um, James Marston, stoner slacker. <laughs> say that, um, but yeah, it it it. I I I do um, maybe with jury duty. You know, there's there there will be some more thing more pathways opening up for him. It's a little bit insane that he hasn't taken advantage of like. The streaming of it all like there are so many movies like why hasn't amazon giving a movie why but i think i think it's because he's been doing all the tv stuff i think it, it's truly that like because yeah. he did like he did the stand which was paramount plus like mm. um uh dead to me is netflix um yeah uh westworld hbo but like you know that's it's it's that sort of or even like the the shock i i truly think him doing jury duty is maybe the most shocking thing he's done in forever because it truly doesn't like if, if he were as, as like not as interested, 
then I I feel like he wouldn't have done jury duty. And so that's maybe like the the exception that proves the rule or whatever. But, but, no, but like but like would Chris Pine have done that? Would Ryan Gosling right. have done that? Would Hugh Jack right. like James Marsden was the perfect amount of famous, the perfect right. amount of silly fucking guy who's affable. Everyone knows him because we all know Cyclops. We all know the notebook. We all like right. he but he he's not he's not even um who's the uh Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who has done, you know, like the rom-coms, this drama stuff. Matthew McConaughey was able to like graduate into like actual A-list, you know, status. Um, but Matthew McConaughey wouldn't do this shit, you know, like right, right, right. I don't I don't mean this as a slight, but like James Marsden no, no. has always hovered in the B-list status. Um, but I don't think it's 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 a combination of like him not being ambitious and also Hollywood not knowing what to do with yeah. him. Um, but you know, what a place to be. And and for all of this, like he still has some bangers, you know? Yeah. I, and like we said at the top of the show, it's like, fuck, you can make all the bad movies you want, babe. Still like you. You're still cool. Yeah. He still shows up. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's the perfect place to wrap up James Marston. Uh, but if you want to contact us, tell us your favorite James Marston role. You can always find us on Twitter at at the mixed reviews. Yeah, you're going to talk to us about how we're talking too much shit about James Marston. He's very <laughs> ambitious. OK, uh, you can find us on Facebook at the mixed reviews. We're going to get some angry emails from his mom who's going to email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. You can also email us there. <laughs> All of our, do you think he has a big fandom in Oklahoma? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. I hope he's in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, he's like can, the local boy does good. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. Um, and if you want to listen to our back catalog as you just listened to this entire episode, you can always find us on any major podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, Google's getting rid of theirs too, so I guess YouTube, like everybody's consolidating now. Um, Amazon, Audible, um, and if you do like our show, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star rating, and write us a little review, and we'll read it on the show. Yeah, because we're very ambitious, unlike we, James. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, oh, also join us on Patreon if you sign up for our Patreon. Uh, we will be delivering bonus episodes. We also have a Discord. Uh, Discord been hopping the past couple of days, which is it was a little lull for a bit, but the past couple of days there's been. Hop starring James Marsden? Yeah. And Russell Brand. Really let him be in kids' movies. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next time. We have some special guests coming up, so. We do. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye bye. Oh, yeah. We got the new Eternity TV on.